Okay, so once again, welcome everybody to our community here and our gathering. Only connect. These are the, the two words that um, comprise the, the epigraph, sometimes this statement that happens at the beginning of novels, um, of the novel Howard's End by Ian e. Forster. And it, it, this is a theme that you find in many of Ian e. Forster's novels, just this, this idea of only connect. And in those novels, it's often about people overcoming the barriers that separate in order to truly connect. To only connect. And this is what I'd like to share some reflections about this evening is about only connecting. Because for me, uh, connecting, it's a, it's a foundation. It's a foundation for my life and it's a foundation for this path and this practice. And connecting this theme seems so relevant for this malady, this sickness of disconnection that's incredibly common in the dominant culture of this country. Some of you might know this. It's said uh, that we are in the midst of an epidemic of loneliness in this country, that it's uh, that bad in terms of this, this experience of disconnection and isolation. For example, a, a recent study, supposedly kind of post-pandemic uh, study, concluded that somewhere around 58% of adults in the US said they feel very lonely and isolated in their lives. That's a big number. And this same study also concluded that somewhere around 80% of young adults, those are adults between the, the ages of 18 to 20, uh, 24, feel lonely and isolated, which I find so interesting because maybe you're like me, often when I think of those afflicted by loneliness and uh, the, the age group that that would be, would be the elderly which I think it, that might've been the case in past decades, but that's no longer the case. It's in, it's in the young, the young adults. This seems to be a, a serious issue. And I think it's a talk, topic that can be skirted around because there's a stigma around it. This idea that if someone feels lonely, there's something wrong with them. And then that can translate of, oh, if I feel lonely, there might be something wrong with me. And so then I'm not going to talk about it. Yet what I've discovered, probably this isn't any uh, new news, is that experiences of isolation and disconnection and loneliness, it's just a, a very common thread in this human existence. And who hasn't experienced that at some point? Like this is at least for me, part of the, the thread of human experience at times. I knew someone who had worked in the Peace Corps, this was years ago in Guatemala, and he had connected with, uh, really closely make these close connections with these families. And, um, and, and then at one point he invited a friend of his from one of these families from Guatemala to come up and visit him. And this uh, person had never been to the United States. And they were 
after he had come and they were in the United States, they went for a walk in this guy's neighborhood here in the US. And it was a, you could say, kind of a typical suburban middle-class neighborhood. And as they were walking around, you know, his friend was looking around here and there. And he finally said, uh, ah, uh, la humanidad, which means, well, th this place lacks humanity. Where is everybody? Where's the connection here in this neighborhood? Interesting, right? Like, this connection, it, it pervades our streets and our neighborhoods and the way we conduct our lives. And it's possibly because of the impact of social media, changes in the workplace, and even how neighborhoods and housing is designed in terms of how it can separate rather than connect. And, and also it's not a simple thing. And maybe some of you have experienced this loneliness and disconnection isn't necessarily dissipated by simply being around more people. Have you ever noticed that? It's about the feeling of meaningful connection rather than being isolated or disconnected. And I wanna point out, this is a human need. It's not just a want, it's a human need because we're such social creatures. So when the feeling of loneliness arises, I think one framework that can be so useful at times is to see it as a, as, as a thing that functions the way that thirst functions. So when my body needs water, I feel something, I feel thirsty. And that feeling of thirst, it encourages me to go and seek out some water. That's how it works. So in the same way, loneliness can have that function. I'm feeling something and then it's telling me something. I need, I need to address a need that's there. And yes, there can be, and I'll get into this later, this dynamic where that can be extreme, where there can be in a dynamic where one may feel like they can never completely fill themselves up with con connection, no matter how much they get. So we could say this is a skill to be able to quench the basic need for connection sufficiently enough without fueling this impulse in a way that ends up being kind of an unquenchable desire that merely makes us miserable. So it's not getting lost in the quest for the perfect connection with a friend or the perfect connection with a partner or a community. I also wanna acknowledge in this realm, because I think uh, this can happen in so many realms where uh, there can be this generalized idea that people need to have a certain amount of interaction to not feel lonely. And I think that's very individual. You know, some people need a lot of interaction with people to feel some of that connection. And some people need very little. And all of it is okay, rather than we have to fit in some kind of certain box. It's more like well, what fits for my heart and to get in contact with that. Connect is so important. And that's why I wanted to speak about it tonight. And I want to point out this particular 
in, in, uh, that this particular community, Flagstaff Insight Meditation Community, we approach this need for connecting um, as a kind of foundation for our lives and this path and practice in a rather unique way. Have you noticed that? And I think it's a beautiful way. Like just the structure here of Monday night when we come together. I just want you to reflect on what we're doing here, what we've done so far and what's to come. We come here either in person or on Zoom. Sometimes in person, we kind of chat, hang out. And then we do an interesting uh, uh, dance of connecting, right? To take time to connect in the quietude, in the silence of meditation. This realm where I'm, I'm together with all of you, and I'm also alone. Alone with my experience where I'm learning how to connect. I'm still learning how to connect, but it's connecting deeply with myself. And then, right, there's some Dharma reflections, which is happening right now. And then there's a different flavor of connecting that happens after that, where we have time for discussion, where we come together. We're coming together through an open discussion. Discussion. So the way I describe this is it's like there's a together time and alone time woven together where I get to taste a, a different flavor of connecting, which has been so meaningful for me. I mean, of course it is. This is why I'm up here because <laughs> this is something that's been very healing and freeing to really taste this unique way of connecting. So it's these two realms that I want to spend now more time with, this, this connecting in terms of together and also connecting in this realm of alone, or you could say solitude. So together, the quality of togetherness. Right? The, the, the quality of togetherness like this community here, or in, in Buddhism, early Buddhism, the kind of togetherness that is upheld in such high esteem is the, the togetherness of spiritual friendship. And then when you think of uh, what's called the, the three refuges, one of those refuges is Sangha, it's community. And the Buddha talks about how important these are. When he, he says at one point, you know, practitioners, there is one external factor, which is the most important external condition for your path and practice. And you know what that is? It's spiritual friendship. Isn't that interesting? The key external condition that you need for this path is connection, whether that's with a community or particular people. This is so interwoven with this path and this practice. And when I slow down to see if I can get a, like a felt sense of like, okay, what does that feel like for me? What is, has that felt like for me over the years of being in communities of togetherness? And what do I get uh, from that for my life and also for, for this path and this practice to carry me onward? And what it feels like is it feels like I'm being carried along by others when I slow down with that. It's like, oh, this is what togetherness feels like for me. Well, I get to be carried along. And it reminds me of an image of the, the Buddha, which is a, a, actually a, a stone carving that was carved they think somewhere in the kind of the first or second century of the common era, era in a kind of an area called uh, ancient Gandhara, which is kind of 
where current day Pakistan is right now and Eastern Afghanistan. And this carving is a carving of the Buddha leaving the palace. So, right, he's beginning his spiritual journey where he's like, I'm, I'm, I'm beginning my spiritual journey right now. And it's an image of him being carried along by these deities or devas underneath him, being carried along on the spiritual path. And that embodies that, that, that gives an image for me of like, oh yeah, it feels like this togetherness. And when I was reflecting on this, it reminded me of a certain phase of my path of my practice. I had, um, I had just left doing, you could say the Zen monk thing. And I was living in Southern New Mexico. And it, even though it was, a, it was a small town in Southern New Mexico, there were a lot of people uh, practicing insight meditation and had done many years of insight meditation, Theravada meditation. And on Tuesday evenings at 7 p.m., we would get together in Esther's house. Esther was this practitioner, really wonderful woman. And uh, uh, we'd meditate for an hour and then we'd just hang out and talk about the Dharma. Kind of like this, a little bit different structure. And what I remember about that experience is in that phase of my life, uh, I was going through some tough times, namely, I was having a hard time finding a job and also it was just financially tough. I mean, I mean, quite obviously like being a Zen monk wasn't like the best prep for like a career. Like there wasn't a lot of job opportunities that came from that. So when I first got there, there was a, most of, most of what I was doing was day labor and substitute teaching. And just, if you want to give your spiritual practice a test, substitute teach it's like it felt like almost like the karma of how i was so rude to substitute teachers was coming back like tenfold you know especially in the high school it seemed like there was a kind of amped up in the high school much more than the others so here i was having this tough time and i remember walking into esther's house on tuesday nights and i remember you, you come in the front door and you kind of make this little turn into her living room and just seeing people sitting there um, who had come for this sacred ritual of sitting together in silence. And when I saw them, I could feel the connection with these people there in a deeply meaningful way. So I want to point out, sometimes there were no words exchanged, but it was like, oh, wow, I feel connected because it was around something that I valued and they valued. And that obviously we'd been touched about, uh, by it in some, some way. And then to have this ritual that we do here, to share, to partake in silence together. There's something so sacred about that for me as a way of actually connecting. Yeah, it's not common, maybe in dominant culture, but boy, I can feel that just speaking about that. And truly, it felt soothing, like a balm for those difficulties that I was going through. Just that, the connection that was there. And then the discussions afterwards, it was kind of similar to what we do here. You know, I, we would share about how to practice, where to practice, what it feels like, what, what, are, what are the times where it feels like, oh, this is something that kind of works for me. Oh, this doesn't work for me. Conversations about 
practice and also sharing our ups and downs in some way. It was also the place I discovered of where to practice. For example, uh, Esther had done a, a long retreat as well as many other people in Burma. Um, and so they were sharing with me these different places in Burma and these Burmese teachers who they had practiced with, who I didn't know anything about. And a lot of them really encouraged me of like, if you really wanna get a taste of this path and practice, go to Burma, do a long retreat. And then places in the United States that they shared with me. Like I was being carried along in my practice literally by others. And I know my presence there just coming to sit in silence, I was carrying others along. Togetherness. It's important for my life and it's, it's essential for this path and this practice to carry each other along in a onward leaning way. The, the poet Gwendolyn Brooks, I think gives words to this at the end of her poem uh, entitled uh, Paul Robeson. Paul Robeson, it's in honor of Paul Robeson who was an actor and singer and an important civil rights activist. She says at the end of that poem, we are each other's harvest. We are each other's business. We are each other's magnitude and bond. This is togetherness, this understanding and embodiment that we're intertwined, that we have the opportunity to carry each other along in an onward leading way even in the simple act of meditating, in the simple act of coming together in silence. Because even in that, I'm given this opportunity to feel that, oh yeah, we are each other's harvest. We are each other's business. And we are each other's magnitude and bond. Togetherness, carrying each other along. And then there's this other aspect that I want to touch into, which is this dimension of being alone or alone time. I'm going to use this synonymously with uh, solitude. You know, we, we come into this space and strangely cultivate a kind of solitude with each other. Like here I am together with you. And also I'm touching a kind of alone time or solitude when we come together. And I want to point out, alone time and solitude are so different than the feeling of loneliness. You know what I'm talking about? So different. For me, the experience of loneliness is the experience of feeling isolated and disconnected from others. And I know I've experienced this even when I'm around others. Solitude and alone time is, is quite different than that. In Buddhism, there's a, there's a Pali term, uh, viveka or viveka, and it's usually translated as seclusion, but it has these, for me, these, this kind of feeling sense or these correlates with the quality of solitude or alone time. One of the terms kaya viveka is kind of very basic. Kaya is body. And if you think of that with seclusion, it's just finding a place where your body's not around other human bodies. <laughs> like it's really simple. It's finding solitude. So you can find some quiet to, to practice. 
and I do find it can be helpful to have this intention uh, at, at times of like, I'm going to seek solitude, seek alone time, not to happen to find myself in there, but the intention for solitude. And then chitta viveka is, uh, uh, chitta is usually translated or heart or mind. So it's when the heart is secluded, it's secluded from blind reactivity, or you could say it's secluded from the trouble that this mind can create. You notice the trouble that your mind can create. And there it's secluded, it's found solitude from that. Because what I find is when my heart is secluded from all the troubles, it's like connection is right there. To me, that's what prevents connection often. It's the troubles in the mind. And then when there's not the troubles, I can receive and offer meaningful connection. I can enter into only connect. And in light of this, and I just want to say for me, some of the most exquisite and amazing and fulfilling experience of connection in, have been in the realm of solitude for me. Sometimes I've felt deep connection even when I'm alone because of the quality of the heart. Like re recently I was outside, I was um, in a place that offered this incredible view of Oak Creek Canyon. And it was kind of up closer here to Flagstaff, you know, so I could see Oak Creek Canyon as it meanders down into the Sedona area. And that view, each time uh, it fills my heart with wonder and awe when I'm in this place of solitude, right? It, as my heart and mind become quiet, it's like connection starts to to arise, it, it, it feels like I can feel the trees and the rocks and the grasses come alive and gather around me. It feels really intimate. Like, oh, all of a sudden I'm surrounded by all these other beings. <laughs> but what it requires is it requires a quiet heart for me to feel that. Uh, Jane Hirschfield, the poet, puts it well at the beginning of one of her poems, she says, only when I'm quiet for a long time and do not speak do the objects of my life draw near. Have you ever had that experience like when the heart is quiet for a long time and then you feel connection? And I, I also wanted to uh, share this because you know, I, I find this idea that I can only get my needs for connection met with other human beings. I find that to be very limiting and narrow. I mean, don't get me wrong. I like all of you. You're human beings. <laughs> Some of my best friends are human beings. Really into them. <laughs> but there's this whole world of my fellow creatures that I can connect with. And I think there's something dangerous about how we treat the earth and her creatures if I can only find connection with human beings. And I forget about these connections with 
my fellow creatures. Because then there's even deeper meaning to the sense of, yeah, we are each other's harvest. We are each other's business. And we are each other's magnitude and bond. So there's one more dimension to alone time, to solitude that I, I find so supportive in navigating this realm of connection and disconnection that I find is really important to bring in. And I'd like to use a poem to frame this dimension. And it's, it's a poem uh, by Charles Bukowski called No Help for That. This is the title, No Help for That. He says, there is a place in the heart that will never be filled, a space. And even during the best moments and the greatest times, we will know it. We will know it more than ever. There's a place in the heart that will never be filled, and we will wait and wait in that space. So from a Dharma perspective, I don't know if Charles Bukowski had the same perspective, but from a Dharma perspective, I, I just, I guess I want to be real about this, that maybe for some of you, maybe for most of us, I don't know, you may never find the amount of connection that you want. And that this will be just a flavor of experience that hangs around for you in your life that the heart is never completely filled with the amount of connection you're wanting. And even in the best of times, in the greatest of times, you'll know it. And I think quite honestly, this is what the Buddha was pointing to in this teaching around the characteristic or the perception of dukkha, namely, that my life is not perfect, even in the best of times. And he was kind of saying, you know, if you get that, there's a kind of freedom when you can really take this in. You know, my, my father had polio, which affected uh, the entirety of one leg and the half of another leg which meant he, he has limped along most of his life. He's now in a wheelchair. All of us, most likely, all limp along in some kind of way. And yes, I wanna point out, when I'm confronted with the ways I limp along, to find ease around that limping, like in regard to this topic of connection. As I was saying, I find it's important to discover places of meaningful connection. So I'm not dismissing that seeking. And to even ease the limping by noticing if your if you're wanting is getting to that chronic and suffocating place where you're just wanting the perfect 
friend or the perfect partner or the perfect community or the perfect neighbor, because that's never going to happen. So yeah, there's a place for that, of taking care of that. And still, you might be limping along in this facet of your life, that there is this place in the heart that will never be filled. And sometimes, I want to be clear, not all the time, I find it helpful to have this framework of this poem, or you could say this perception of this poem, that there's no help for that. That it's just the way it is. Because when I can really land that at times, and I'm not saying to universalize this, that this is the only perception that you have, but when I can be like, wow, there is no help for that. Sometimes what happens is my body releases because I stop trying to fix it or trying to figure it out or to find a solution, <laughs> right? Because that can be exhausting and never ending. And instead, just to soften my heart with this understanding of, oh yeah, this is what human beings go through. Oh, this is the human predicament to feel isolated and disconnected and lonely at times. Oh, and here it is right now in my experience. And what I notice is my heart softens. And there it is. There's the tenderness of compassion. It's like, I don't need to do anything about the loneliness. I just need to soften. Oh, yeah, there's, there's no help for that right now. And the softening can be such a bomb. And then just to wait there in that space where the heart will never be filled, to be with the heart that will never be completely filled, to befriend it, to be tender towards that experience. And I think in this way, there's a possibility of discovering a contentment or freedom within these fluctuations of when I feel connected and when I don't, and that all of it is okay. Can you hear how relieving that can be of, yeah, I want to make connections, and I'm okay if it's not there. So may we only connect through being together, carrying each other along, through being alone, discovering solitude, and connecting through befriending and being tender when I feel loneliness and isolation. Thank you. Thank you for your attention. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.